Good morning. My name is Reed. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, and it is my pleasure to bring you the last week of our Be Real series. Uh, and I love this series because um, I love the idea of being real. Like, uh, you got to just be you, tell your jokes, do your thing, come in with, like, deodorant, stain on your shirt. I did that. I didn't even notice. John said something about it, and I was like, you know what? It just fits. It is what it is. Evidently, I don't know how to put on the proper ratio of deodorant to shirt. Shirt, deodorant. I don't understand it. It makes no sense. I just don't want to smell bad. Like, is if anybody with me? I don't know. That's really my goal, my end goal. So whatever, it's fine. They already preached for me, so I don't really have to give that much. <laughs> so that's great. It's fantastic. Uh, but as we're getting into week four, uh, we all kind of sat around and looked at the series, and we were like, man, you know, uh, who should teach on what and why? And originally, I was not supposed to be in this series, so I was pretty thankful. Um, <laughs> And then someone brought up, like, what is our fourth topic? Someone said, hey, we should talk about loneliness. And then someone else said, I'm not going to rat her out, but somebody else was like, well, Reed should speak on that. He struggles with it. I was like, that's great. Thank you. Really appreciate you doing that to me. So thankful. So thankful. So if it seems like uh, this might be a little different than normal, I'm going to need your help. And as we talk about, hey, being a community of believers, um, let me be the first one to say, hey, I don't have this figured out. I don't. I don't have a lot of great answers about it. I know what I'm trying. Uh, and so as my community of believer brothers and sisters, I'm going to need you to maybe speak some truth back. So if you hear it and you're like, that sounds like Jesus, just say, yep, or sure. I don't know. Just... It really doesn't matter to me. It'd be weird. It's fine. So today I'm not really talking about being by yourself. A lot of times we're by ourselves, but I am talking about the incredible feeling of being alone. See, isolation is being by yourself. Loneliness is not liking it. And so for me, I've struggled with loneliness since I was 10 or 11. And can I be real honest? Like, I don't really like isolation that much. I really do not like being by myself. I don't like silence. I'm always playing stuff in the background. There's always sports on. There's always something. Uh, anything to keep me from thinking. But I hate even more forced isolation, like when I have no choice, because I hate the feeling that comes with that, this deep feeling of loneliness, feeling that no one truly loves me or, or wants to, that no one cares to know me, wants to be around me, that anyone would want to put me first that I really just don't have any friends on any sort of deep level that are willing to ask me deep questions or even ask questions about me. Or sometimes if I don't initiate some deep convo or hanging out with loved ones, I believe that no one else would even try. And worst of all, when people I do love try to do something personal, deep, or caring for me, it becomes really difficult for me to believe that it's true or that it's genuinely real. And here's the funny thing about loneliness is we're not always the We know, statistically, we are not the only ones struggling with it. Survey from 
2019 shows that 58% of Americans often felt like no one in their life knew them well. In 2020, young women in the U.S. were most likely to report losing touch with friends. Or 43% of young adults reported increases in loneliness since the outbreak of the pandemic. About half of lonely young adults in our survey reported that no one in the past few weeks had, quote, taken more than just a few minutes to ask how they were doing in a way that made them feel like the person genuinely cared. Almost 50% of married adults experience loneliness at least once a week, which is something our single adults experience as well at 58% feeling lonely at least once a week, which if you take in data, that means it really doesn't matter if you're married or not, whether you're lonely or not, which also means we should probably stop making comments to single people that they won't be happy until they find someone. It's weird. 50% of marriages still in divorce, end in divorce last time I checked, which means we can ease up on the marriage fixes most problems because it doesn't. Just because you're supposed to have somebody in your life doesn't mean that you do. And all the single people are like, amen, holler. Please tell my aunt to stop at Thanksgiving telling me that I need to find somebody. Or who am I dating? Or am I married yet? Or am I having kids yet? Don't get me started on that one. Actually, seven out of 10 men say that they have no significant adult male friendships in their life. Stating that most outings that they have with people of similar age and status are solely for their spouse's benefit. Meaning, men go to events that their wives throw for their friends whose husbands happen to just be there and they're all, quote, unquote, just there, right? They're like, you want to talk? Because I got nobody else. We don't get along. I don't really like you, but it's fine. Our wives are friends. It's great. It's weird, right? See, our reaction to things is just weird as people. Is, any, is anybody with me that like just totally avoids pain? Is any, like for real, anybody? No? Okay, cool. That's fine. It's just me then. Well, I'll, you guys be the therapist. You just talk to me on the counseling. This is fine. I do it all the time. And these weird reactions to our pain continues over and over again. You do weird things when you're alone, right? If you have a son in this room or you have any sort of like, well, if you have any man under the age of 30, he doesn't wash below his knees in the shower. It's just true. He doesn't. What's the point? It, it doesn't. Listen, I, I'm not going to rat anybody out, but I got one of our, our teenage moms. I got one of them with this concept. I was like, yeah. Boys do not wash below their knees. And she was like, yes, they do. And I was like, no, they don't. Called her boys over and I said, you wash below your knees in the shower? They were like, no, why? (laughs) What's the purpose? Right? Because when you're alone, you can cut corners. It's just true. It's true. Or you you do weird things when you really feel like you wanna belong somewhere. You start cutting corners. You start making mistakes. You start doing some weird things. Like, I don't know if you guys have the friend that literally cackles at everything. 
But it's like, dude, that wasn't funny. That literally, it wasn't even a funny joke. And they're over there like cackling, crying. Man, every single time I'm like, dude, people are weird. (laughs) Just can't even do that. But for some reason now, as a community, one of our things that we've decided to do is we were like, hey, in order to find a place of community, of belonging, in order to counteract my loneliness or, or like how I feel, or maybe even to stop thinking, we were like, you know what we should do? We should join an app. Because that'll work. We should join Facebook, Twitter. Twitter's awesome, by the way. I don't know. I'm a shameless plug for Twitter. They're really doing well. That was that was a bad joke. All right. They're not doing well right now, but I still love them. TikTok has become a thing. Our current series, Be Real. We start to create communities because we don't know how. We start to try to figure out new ways of belonging and commitment because we really just don't know how. Which kind of creates a tension for us. And when we think about things like be real, one of the things that I actually like about it is that there's a give and take. You can't see anyone else's be real until you be real yourself. Until you take a photo, you can't see anyone else's. It's blurred out. Shows you that they're there, but you can't see the full picture, which creates a tension for us. And the bigger tension here is our blueprint for fixing community, technology. This creates an interesting dilemma for us. On one hand, we desire community and friendship. And on the other hand, the path we have chosen, convenience, easy, to take us there has left us lonely, divided, and disconnected. To change this, we must simultaneously celebrate our yearning for community while confronting the faulty playbook we are operating from. So today is about being real, how you feel. It took me a while to see that I wasn't the only one that felt lonely a lot. And it took me a while to figure out that I, wasn't, I was always trying to pick the easier path. And I mean, if we look back, Jesus feels lonely multiple times. Uh, one time on the cross, he says, why have you forsaken me? Uh, other times he says, uh, it, it often, the Bible scripture often says he withdrew to lonely places, which I think is important because it didn't say like he sought solitude or alone time. They used the words specifically lonely. Or sometimes he was in with his best friends in a place where they were together and he still felt alone. So today really is about thought patterns, emotional intelligence, a fight for your soul. Proverbs 28, 26 says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. See, circumstances are isolating. Things in your life isolate you. When we feel as though those around us aren't really putting us first, when we feel like we're undervalued at work, when we feel like our three, when we feel like the people in our closest circle just aren't there, just the feeling of isolation and seclusion leads to loneliness feelings and thoughts, which is why it's oftentimes so difficult to tell when someone else is struggling with it. How do I know? It's in you. Carl Jung said this, loneliness does not come from having no people around you, but from being unable to communicate the things that seem important to you. Man, anyone struggle with communication? Yep, I do. 
Romans 8.13 says, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What thoughts and deeds do you need to put to death? How we grew up, we're treated, how we're spoken to, shape how we see, act, and talk about as, a, as adults in this world. Those memories, experiences, and traumas become the thoughts we think. They can form our identity and the base of who we are. These feelings and emotions create patterns that affect every area of our life. Relationships, parenting, professional, mental health. Here's the difference between the two. Emotions may last seconds, but feelings can last a long time. So hear me out when I say, hey, do you, do you have a feeling of loneliness? I understand it's been a long time. You felt this way for a long time. We have to recreate new patterns based on God's word and spirit. But changes only happen with tension. Tension means there's breakthrough happening. We have to learn how to redirect our tension-filled thoughts and continue to repeat that. Your emotions and redirecting our thoughts is our own responsibility, not someone else's. See, most of the time I struggle to truly feel a sense of belonging somewhere. I tell jokes and try to find needs of others to hide and avoid pain. It affects my relationships, my trust, my self-esteem, my confidence. All of this is my responsibility to change. But what I love about Jesus is it's also the responsibility of the people that I let into it to change. And before we get too far down the tracks, like, let me be honest, it's not all that bad. It's not all bad. Jesus has a funny way of turning our worst things into our best things. And for me, it truly fuels my ministry. It fuels the way that I look at things. It fuels the way that I look at people. I don't want a person to ever enter into our ecosystem to be touched by somebody from Whitewater and not find a place of belonging. Because you should. He has work for me. I know that. He's given me all of this as an opportunity to use. I know that. But he does want me to heal me first and most. So John 3, 20, it says, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. He is our source of truth, not what we feel. He is greater than our circumstances. We must pursue healing with everything inside of us. Don't get me wrong, when I say pursue, I mean, you got to go after it. Time softens intensity and frequency, but it doesn't make it go away. It either gets bigger or better. And as we go down this track, let me be real honest with you. Kindness and grace to yourself is really important. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. Does anybody in here feel like they have a sound mind? If you do, I'd love to talk to you. Because this is incredible. I don't know how you got there, but man, my mind is anything but sound. It is a wild west in there. 
But I know this to be true. Truth brings healing and restoration. Lies produce death and wage wars in our soul. So on the days when we feel like we don't see God, it doesn't mean he left. He reminds us that over and over again in scripture. Deuteronomy 31 states it. Genesis 28 states it. Genesis, Joshua 1 states it. There is a very real spiritual warfare happening for you. Our young adults just had this conversation talking about this spiritual warfare, and it's wild. But if the enemy can keep us down, he will. Friction means we are awake and not settling anymore into a life that God has never called or asked us to live. And I don't know about you, but do you feel like sometimes like you're sitting there thinking about things and you're like, this isn't, this is not what God has called me to. This is not the life that God has asked me to live. This doesn't line up. God is the only one who gets to say who we are and what we are made of. Our feelings matter. Honestly, they do. Our emotions matter. Bring the real ones, bring the raw, the raw ones to God. But everything submits to him. Even our feelings and emotions. Do you believe that or not? Even those feelings. We worship him, not emotions and feelings. What we experience emotionally opens the door to areas of our life that need healing and repentance and renewal. The thing that I love the most, and I alluded to it earlier, in my weakness, strength is revealed. We find strength in God's strength. Psalm 68 um, becomes a, a verse for me that I love, 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 five and six. It says, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. See, the desire for community is yearning for a value that is largely unfulfilled. We haven't figured it out. The problem then in finding that this genuine community lies within us. See, there's a myth out there that finding the right church is kind of like spotting this unicorn in the wild. It's this mythical place, beautiful community where everyone belongs. The messages are always great. That one day we'll just kind of find it. Obviously, we need to find a church that we resonate with. That's not what I'm saying. Yet the reality of what Jesus calls us to is that genuine community is created and not stumbled upon. What kind of community are you creating? For yourself? In your mind? Let me be real honest. Do you want to live in your mind? What kind of community have you created in your mind that you even want to be there? What kind of community are you inviting others into? Because what's in your mind and what's in your heart, you know what? People are afraid of that and they see it. You're inviting them into that. Being real also means creating a real community of believers that looks like Jesus. Jesus made the time. Is that a priority for you or not? Building a community. Even so much so that Jesus 
was a little wild sometimes. And he even says this in Mark 3, and I use this all the time. He says, then Jesus' mothers and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Are any of you crazy enough in this holiday season to watch your mom walk up to you and be like, that's not my mom. These people are my mom. Someone else is my mom. No way. My mom would slap me. She'd be like, I'm your mother. I'd be like, yeah, that's true. That's true. You're my mom. But like, this is my biblical community of family. Crazy, right? What would it look like if we actually started living like that one, though? That I actually viewed everybody in this room, these people in our community, as my family. You were at my events. I came to your events. That's pretty wild, right? Place of belonging. Loneliness in America says this, we need to return to an idea that was central to our founding and is at the heart of many great religious traditions. We have commitments to ourselves, but we also have a vital commitment to each other, including to those who are vulnerable. So how do we do it? Seems simple, but one answer is real friendship. We can get there in many ways. For example, we display hospitality on an ordinary basis or investing time getting to know people regardless of whether they're old, young, single, married. We can explicitly promote deep friendships outside of marriage and family. We should avoid making projects of people in lonelier groups or subjecting them to uninvited scrutiny. But we should also listen to when people are ready to reveal something. We have the responsibility as a Jesus follower to make it about the other person. Which means when we die to ourselves in Jesus, we also die to ourselves for the community. We also die to ourselves in our relationships. Which means if we put our desires and preferences over others, we're killing a healthy community. For most of my life, I've never felt more alone than when I trusted people in the church. The unwritten rules, religious opinions, misuse of scripture, manipulation, and pure selfishness made me believe that I probably would never be a part of or see this biblical community that Jesus kept talking about. When I started finding that belonging within some of God's community, things started to look a little bit different for me. I was able to call out lies. I was able to figure out where my thoughts and things went toxic. And let me be honest, like, I still, just like, I still don't have this figured out. I still struggle with this all the time. I still struggle feeling like I belong to something. And when I do, and when I am a part of the people who I feel like I belong in or get it, I still mourn it. I grieve it when I have to leave it. There's times where I drop off my closest people, the people who understand this concept, and I and I literally am emotional at the thought of having to go and leave it, of the thought of going home and leaving it. 
And at that moment where my thoughts started to go of where I started to get into places of deep loneliness, where I started to get into the thoughts of, well, I just can't have this all the time. Or when I started getting into, I can't create this in other places. Instead of going there, I really started to get into moments where I started redirecting my thoughts and I started saying, you know what, God, thank you for giving me that community. Thank you for giving me those people. Thank you for changing their mind. Thank you for calling them to something deeper. And it took me a little bit longer to figure it out, but spiritually, I get it. I was an orphan. And I started thanking God, thank you for unorphaning me. Brene Brown, she tries to crush my soul every single time she talks about anything. So if you want to check her out, do it. But I'm just saying you'll probably cry and be really sad and you'll figure it out. But she says really smart stuff. Uh, she says a couple quotes. says, belonging is somewhere where you want to be and they want you. Fitting in is being somewhere you want to be, but they don't care one way or the other. Then she follows that up with belonging is being accepted for being you. Fitting in is being accepted for being like everybody else. If I get to be me, I belong. If I have to be like you, I'm fitting in. So what kind of culture are you creating at your workplace, at your school, at your friend group, in your family? What kind of culture are you creating in your community? Are you creating a culture and community that scream you belong? Or are you creating one that you can be a part of us, but only if you do this? Even in our families, we create atmospheres that say, if you act like me, think like me, do like me, then we're family. Any black sheep in the house? You're like, I'm the black sheep. Yeah, I'm a middle child, so we're in like naturally one. See, the reason why black sheep feel like black sheep is because those who, fought, who thought they could belong in their family were constantly called out for not fitting in and conforming to the safe and comfortable family dynamics that someone else put on them. What if Jesus didn't call and create us to look and act like everyone else, but called us to live fully into the unique person he created us to be, living a life worthy of our calling, says that in Ephesians 4. Not your mom's calling, not your dad's calling, not your sister's calling, not your neighbor's calling, not even necessarily your church people's calling, but your calling, because you have been called by God to be you, the real you that God created you to be. So what if Jesus was calling us to create families and communities filled with people that were committed to the unique calling and identity he placed on each of us individually? Jesus calls us to form families and communities of faith made up of rich and poor, healthy and sick, lost and more lost from every tribe, tongue and nation, all gathering together, bound together by the spirit, creating unity. Unity, if you cause disunity, that's another sermon, but not good for you. That's all I'm saying. Not because we all fit in, but because in Christ we all belong. See Ephesians 4, 2, 3, moving on, says be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults, differences, because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. 
So I'm so happy that I have people around me who allow me to be faulty, who allow me to be broken, who allow me to be a little different. Galatians 6 says, Therefore we have an opportunity. Let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Household of faith is the language of family. Christian living in the New Testament was seen within the context of Christian community. You don't have one without the other. The investment you make in fostering community will be worth it. Then you are created, you're creating belonging by building the church the way it was intended to be a community of believers that lift up, lifts up, encourages, and celebrates each other's giftings, callings, and personalities. Under this whole thing, it really doesn't matter what you're struggling with. I'm talking about loneliness here today. But the truth always remains the same. We are always under the lordship of our King Jesus. He has the final say. I'm marked by him. I am his. And all this conversation is pretty tiring. The more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the more I let you in, the more exhausted I am. I'm just drawn back to this passage in Hebrews 4. It says, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. So let us do our best to enter that rest. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Scary. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Boldly to the throne. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Man, when I look at that, that was, that was crazy. What was that? My ADD was tripping on that. It was beep right in my face. That was scary. When I read that scripture, I'm just reminded of God brings me the people that I need. Not always the one I want, but not without that whole be real concept. There's a piece of me I need to surrender to. There's a piece of me that always needs to die a little bit more. Steps I need to take. Like for one, I have to be available. My loneliness keeps me from being available at times. I have to remind myself daily of the truth. And sometimes I really need those people around me to remind me of what that truth is. That I'm loved, that I'm wanted, that I'm big enough, that I'm a big enough deal to be a priority, to invite me in, that they believe in me. And despite everything I've done, the feelings I feel and the things I'm pretty sure I'll mess up in the future, I still bring value. That God gifted us with this opportunity to make a community of belonging that could change the environments around them. And it's not that everyone will always feel like they belong, because they won't. 
But we do have an opportunity to make sure it isn't because of something that we did. If you're a person in here who's really been struggling with this feeling of loneliness recently or for a long time, stay in the game. It sucks. I know that it sucks. As a person on your team, I know it's terrible. And I know it feels like no one is on your team, but I want to remind you, you're living under the lordship of my King Jesus. He has allowed a flawed community for you to belong in. Will you take a step? I just say, don't leave here feeling this way without telling somebody. If I could challenge you in any way, let somebody in. I don't even care if it's your neighbor. You know what? They came to church today. They signed up to be in Jesus' community. They should hear that you feel lonely. You're like, hi, my name's Reed. I'm lonely. Kind of weird, but it's fine. Maybe you need to stay in your seat because you're like, man, I can't leave here without telling someone. Don't leave here without letting someone in. You are not meant to be an orphan any longer. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for everything that you've given us. God, in struggling with this and talking about this, uh, just brings to mind how grateful we are for you. The gratitude we have for what you've created God, in all its mess and all its flaws, you've given us something to belong to. And you've given us reasons. And you've made sense of it that, God, we belong to you. So, God, I pray for everybody in here that feels lonely. That something inside of them today says, you know what, I don't have to be lonely any longer. And for the rest of us who aren't struggling, God, I pray for perseverance and determination and a new power of will that says, I won't let people be lonely here. For that, God, for those people who commit to that, we thank you for them. Pray in your name.